Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, a show where we take all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending on which platform you choose to follow us on. And once again, guys, we are in another race week, the final race in our triple header. We're going Back to Austria once again, this time for the Austrian Grand Prix. We had the Styrian Grand Prix. Now we're going to have the Austrian Grand Prix at Spielberg at the A1 or the Red Bull Ring, I should say, as it's now known in the modern age. And of course, it's very easy to suspect that we may get a very similar result to what we got at last weekend's Styrian Grand Prix, where Max Verstappen and Red Bull dominating the Grand Prix to extend his lead in the championship over Lewis Hamilton. However, from previous evidence last season, and of course, many times where we've been to other circuits in the past, you can never always assume that the same result will happen twice in succession. And with that in mind, of course, we're going to get into this preview. And joining me once again, my co-host, Mr. Courtney Pine. Courtney, good afternoon. How are you doing? Not doing too bad, Adam. Um, Yeah, in terms of this race, uh, I I think we probably have a good idea who the winner's going to be. But who knows? Let's see how it goes. Well, it's very easy to assume that history is going to repeat itself this weekend and Max Verstappen is going to put together another clinic like he did at last weekend's Grand Prix. However, there's no fun in that. And, you know, if, if anything I've learned from watching Formula One for many years is that you can never always assume that the status quo in this case will remain. There's always opportunities for things to happen. Anything can happen in Formula One, and that's why we love the sport so much. But with that in mind, of course, let's get into the main topics of discussion. And of course, who is going to win the Austrian Grand Prix? And now, obviously, the favourite has to be Max Verstappen. 
and Red Bull to go this weekend. Once again, they showed some incredible pace at the Styrian Grand Prix. Max getting on pole position, making use of the advantage that Lewis Hamilton, of course, pointed out that they would have at least on the straights in a few tenths of a second. But whilst it's tempting to assume that the same will happen again this weekend, surely there has to be some scope where Mercedes can learn lessons from last weekend's Grand Prix and feel that they could even more maximize the output from their car to perhaps give them if anything but the slightest opportunity that this could be the weekend where Mercedes start to turn their season around. I think the only thing that could save Mercedes is the weather. I think if we have a dry race, I think it's just going to be the Max Verstappen show or ever again. And um and I'm not, again it sounds rich coming from a Lewis fan because Lewis has had it pretty good car wise over the uh last few seasons. It's just disappointing again, as I said in the uh, in the in the review for the last race. I've really thought we're in for a good battle this year, and it is it's, it's a little bit deflating. I feel like we've been robbed of a of a great battle between two elite drivers. Again, let's not take anything away from Max Verstappen. He is world championship, actually multiple world champion material, no doubt about it. I just feel as fans we've been robbed of a battle between two titans of Formula One. And I mean, that's an interesting point because I feel like, you know, if we go back to Spain earlier in the season, it seemed that Mercedes had the upper hand, at least as far as race pace was concerned, in Lewis Hamilton's hands, where Red Bull seemed to have the pace in qualifying. And the two would always meet in the middle every single Mm. race. Since then, of course, Red Bull have gone on an absolute tear. They've won four races in a row now, which, of course, only Mercedes have done in this turbo hybrid era. Of course, it just shows how brilliant Mercedes have been before this season and you know Red Bull have up their game massively they it took advantage of two circuits in Baku and Monaco where it suited their car a little bit better than the Mercedes was it was a lot more agile and a lot more um, you'd say more efficient in the slower speed corners and of course they won in France at a more traditional track which would have thought Mercedes would have had the advantage over and the same again last week at the Styrian Grand Prix so with all of that in mind, you're absolutely right, Corny. It seems that in this development war, Red Bull have found new ways to improve their car, and they've looked like they've got a sizable advantage, which could be as much as two tenths of a second or a quarter of a second, not just in qualifying, but perhaps in race pace as well. Mm. And that could be all the difference. I mean, we can assume, for argument's sake, right now, that Lewis and Max just stick them in the same car. They could potentially be neck and neck level, or literally less than attempts separating them on ultimate pace at this point in time. And that's a huge compliment to Max Verstappen. It's certainly not a critique of Lewis. I think Lewis is doing what Lewis always does, but it just seems that Max has found this elite level at the moment in his driving that only a few drivers in the history of the sport have been able to achieve. And and this kid is still so young. How is scary to think how good he could end up being in his career. You know, I feel like sometimes when we talk about Max, we're talking about Lewis when he was first starting out and thinking if this kid's competing and winning world championships now, how good is this guy going to be when he gets into his thirties? It's crazy. Of course, we've seen how good he can be as good as anybody, if not better. But with all of that being said, Courtney, first, I think there's two questions that come to mind. First of all, who would you say um, needs to change in order to make this world championship a bit more exciting? Like who, who can we blame if we can blame anybody for this championship not being uh, consistently as exciting perhaps as it was in the first few races of the season where they see neck and neck. And in addition to that, is there anything Mercedes theoretically can do 
um, within their own remit to try and claw back this uh, gulf that Red Bull have all of a sudden built themselves? I mean, in terms of... Uh, you can look at Mercedes in terms of who's to blame for the championship going flat. I think it's been very clear that Red Bull have been really keen to win a championship for obvious reasons. They've been sort of tagging behind for a few seasons now. So they've put a lot of resources into it. They clearly have not only one, but two two competent drivers that are making the Constructors' Championship go in their favour as well. But I, do, I just think for Mercedes, I think I think there could be various reasons for it, but I, I just feel that Mercedes have been nervous about these um, big regulation changes and they've been keen to put a lot of focus into next season at early stage. Maybe they thought the package they had was enough. Maybe they thought Red Bull were going to start developing at a similar time to them looking at next season. But it's clearly not the case. Red Bull were very keen to get this championship won. And I think this the development war at this stage, I, I really can't see Mercedes turning around. I, I think I think Red Bull, in, in a traditional season, I'd say maybe Mercedes could catch up. But I, I think their minds already on next season. And I think Red Bull, in terms of the package, I think they've got this year sorted. I mean, it's hard to say how much Red Bull have actually added to the car that they currently have. Of course, what they built was a very good package. We know that certain rule changes that have happened for this season, particularly with the floor, have probably been targeted with two objectives. One, to improve um, reliability and safety in terms of the tyres, of course, from what we've seen already this season, that that was definitely needed, but also to slow down Mercedes. Now, I know a lot of Mercedes fans aren't going to be happy for me to say that, but and they're not, going to, they're not going to be happy with what I'm going to say now, but I actually think that that's been a good thing. And this isn't like a, a witch hunt to try and stop Mercedes being dominant. And in the history of the sport, when a team has been dominant for a prolonged period of time, I mean, I, said, I, I always mentioned Ferrari back in the early 2000s. Max Mosley and Bernie Eccleston spent years trying to slow Ferrari down and stop the Schumacher-Ferrari dominance. Eventually, they managed that in 2005, very nearly in 2003 as well and uh, inadvertently caused them to create the F2004 to completely dominate the championship in ways that we hadn't seen until Mercedes turned up several years later. But this is not a new thing in Formula One. And, you know, from a Liberty Media's perspective and the FIA, of course, it's great what Mercedes have done over the last seven or eight years. But when that level of dominance proceeds for year after year after year after year, no matter how great Hamilton has been, no matter how great Mercedes have been as a team, you you can't have that continue. Exactly. Now, of course, that's not a justification for them to create rules, to create some sort of foul play. That's really not. Of course not. The other teams need to do their part as well. And Red Bull in particular have done that job better than probably anybody. You know, so, you know, you've got to say hats off to them. But I suppose in my mind, I just feel that right now, Mercedes at this point in time probably see what Red Bull are doing. And I kind of get this feeling at the moment that Mercedes seem to, as you said, Courtney, I don't think they're thrown in the towel, but I feel like they're trying to find avenues now in which they themselves can try to slow Red Bull down with the stewards rather than try and speed their car up and that I feel that might come from what we've been talking about for a while now in that perhaps Mercedes just aren't able to develop this car not necessarily because they don't want to but because they can't within the budget cap 
Um, I mean, what do you think of that? Do you feel that that's what we're seeing right now? And and it's kind of a polar opposite, if you like, to what everybody's been doing to Mercedes the last couple of years. That system being uh, redacted for this season. That that's the obvious example I can think of. Ferrari with the engine saga. Whichever side you see, you sit on that. Of course, there was no evidence to suggest a wrongdoing. Although we can all agree there probably was. That was a ploy that. You know, Mercedes, Red Bull and some of the other engine manufacturers couldn't figure out why Ferrari were making gains in such an amazingly powerful way. So they had to find an avenue through the FIA to get that taken away. Of course, it was. And the proof is in the pudding. Ferrari are nowhere in that regard now. So what is that? Could you say that that's what's going on at the moment right now, Courtney? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, that that's that's how teams slow each other down. We've, we've seen it throughout the history of Formula One. Which is a slight shame because one of the one of the things that is great about Formula One is the innovations that you know these these you got because you've got some of the greatest uh, greatest engineering minds in the world, you know, in the fight between these teams, and these in and these innovations create these in these innovations then go onto road cars, which then you know we think about a stuff that can help the environment, you know, the v, the physics at the the, the turbo hybrids, you know, the, the hybrid engines then went on to London buses, for example. So it's, it's things like that, that, you know, that can sort of benefit humanity in general. And it's, I, I do understand you have to have it within the rules because F1 is it's in the titles within the formula. I mm. understand that. But at the same time, it's a shame to see these innovations get, get sort of clipped off the car because they do benefit the road car industry. And at the same time, you, but you do you do want to be having that even playing field. I was really welcoming this battle. I, I was hoping to see between Lewis and Max, and we've we've been robbed of it. And you can see Mercedes body language. We saw Toto Wolf after the last race. You can tell his mind's on twenty twenty two, and you can't blame them because maybe they're willing not willing. No, none of these teams like to lose, but maybe they're willing to take the short term pain in losing this championship in order to be more competitive in a multiple championships coming after these big regulation changes. Yeah. I mean, it seems that Mercedes are adopting approaches at this point in time, not necessarily related to the car too much that you don't normally associate with them. Of course, a lot of stuff happens behind the scenes that obviously don't get brought to the uh, attention of mainstream media and the general F1 public, if you like, but we're seeing that a lot more this year. The arguments going back and forth between Red Bull and Mercedes over what's illegal and what's legal, who's doing what and who's doing this. Um, you can list so many already, you know, you've got the flexi wings debate where Red Bull did have to change their rear wing for Austria and, you know, it didn't matter. They obviously had a huge performance advantage. Um, perhaps that played a part in it. And obviously Red Bull firing back saying, well, if you're going to check our rear wing and beef up the uh, investigation, if you like, to make sure all the tolerances, if you like, to make sure they're not flexing, you need to check Mercedes front wing or the other front wings or the other aero parts on everybody else's cars, which I can totally agree with. I think, you know, you can't stop at one and not do the rest of them. Um, the tyre controversy after what happened in Baku, where Lewis Hamilton was inferring, if you like, to the fact that Red Bull may not be running with the recommended tyre pressures throughout the race, not necessarily doing anything illegal, but not operating within the spirit of the rules, which obviously in turn required Pirelli to, um, you know, increase the tyre pressures that were mandatory for the Grand Prix that followed in France and in Austria. So 
you know, those are a few examples. And of course, this business with um, the new engine parts. I don't know if you heard, Courtney, in the news, um, the new parts that Honda had introduced to their second spec engine, if you like. Of course, we should stress that this is not in breach of the regulations because they can only make one specific type of engine spec throughout the season. When I refer to a second spec, I mean parts that are changed for reliability purposes, which, of course, teams are allowed to do in season. It's just designed for performance that they can only do once for the season and you know Mercedes uh, were trying to get this investigated because they claim from their data from the Alvatari cars of Yuki Tsunoda and Pierre Gassi that they were running 10 kilowatts of power down which is equivalent to around 13-14 horsepower and the Red Bulls obviously were showing a performance advantage now there are a few reasons why that could be the case one of which was replacing of new engine parts as they get throughout the season, they get an allocated number of parts that they can use on the engines. And of course, the newer parts are going to churn out more performance than older, more used parts. That's natural. And of course, the more reliable engine parts that they have on their car, they might be able to run with more intense, powerful power modes that they already had preset into the engine that they couldn't use beforehand. Examples why this might be the case were if everyone remembers in Bahrain, how Perez obviously had the electrical issues, the AlphaTauri's had issues in the race, uh, even Verstappen wasn't able to use his engine to its full capacity. So perhaps that these new reliable engine parts are allowing them to do that. And we're now seeing the true performance of their engine to a point where Honda could have overtaken Mercedes by now. So there's those factors into it. There's the new gains that Mobile One, their oil supply, have been able to find with the engine in the same way Petronas have for Mercedes and Shell with Ferrari, etc. So, you know, you take all that into consideration, Courtney. And the point of my argument in this or what I've observed in this is that Mercedes, like the other engine manufacturers, would have been well aware of this in advance. The FIA would have been receiving this information. They would have done their investigation. They would have done their checks, submitted that to all the teams by which they could have vetoed it if they wanted to. But they didn't obviously because they felt there was no wrongdoing. And now all of a sudden they're starting to see the performance showing up on track in addition to all the other games Red Bull have made. It just seems to me that Mercedes, by virtue of not being able to put any more significant developments on their car, whether they can't afford to in the budget cap or they're choosing not to, it seems to me they're trying to find other avenues to slow Red Bull down, not necessarily in a bad way because every team does it, so before Mercedes fans start getting angry at me for saying this, just stress, everybody does it. This isn't a new thing oh, in Formula God, yeah. 1. Um, it's the part we hate the most because we love the innovation, but that's that's the political side of it. That's what teams do. They always try to slow each other down if they can't, you know, find the performance themselves. Um, and, you know, that's what's going on at the moment. And it's just real shame because we want to see this battle between Mercedes and Red Bull go all the way to the end of the season. But right now unless Mercedes do something significant or unless Red Bull are doing something that they shouldn't be and they get slowed down as a, as a result of it, we could very much find the second half of this season being dominated by the Red Bulls if Mercedes eventually decide to throw the towel in. And I hope that doesn't happen. But it seems with every race at the moment that could become increasingly likely. Rant over. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I, I do believe at this stage, I hope, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we're all wrong. But at this stage, I feel that this season, in terms of a championship battle, I think it could be a dead rubber. I, I, I had a feeling this season could be that way inclined anyway, given what's happening next season. I didn't expect it to happen this early, which is a shame. I feel that the main battle we're going to be seeing this season could well be between McLaren and Ferrari. I think that's real, that, that is where the real battle is going to be this season. 
It could well be. And we're going to get into that in, in a minute, actually. But before we do, um, there is some good news, I should say, for Mercedes fans in this regard. And of course, we're not saying this championship is over. There's still plenty of races to go. I mean, Max could have a retirement. Lewis wins this weekend. All of a sudden, Lewis is seven points clear of Max or maybe eight if he gets the fastest up as well. So, you know, it's not, you know, Lewis has clawed back bigger margins than this, but it just seems that the tools that he has available to him and the driver he's up against and the machinery that he has, by contrast, this could prove to be the biggest challenge yet of Lewis's career. One which may even he may not be able to overcome. And, you know, I felt like this could happen one day. I I never actually believed it was going to because of how good Mercedes were, but they need to find something. But the good news in all of this is that given we're coming up to the halfway point in the season soon, is that as a result of Red Bull being ahead of Mercedes and the constructors, owing to the ATR regulations with aerodynamic test runs that they can do per week, Mercedes currently only can do the, the least of any team in the grid because they won the, season, they won the championship last season. They will be able to do more than Red Bull in the second half of the season. Now, of course, teams have to divide those resources between this year's car and next year's car, depending on how they want to allocate the resources. It could be 100% next year. It just means Mercedes are going to be able to use the next half of the season to develop their next year's car more than Red Bull will. So there is a balancing act here, and that may play into their hands towards the second half of the season for this year's car. We'll have to see. Even Hamilton himself, Courtney, has said that he's now taking more time in the simulator. And this is a guy that does not like testing. I noticed that. I noticed that on his story the other day. Mm. And Mercedes, like other teams, have drivers that do a lot of the sim work for them. You know, everybody has them. And most of it's just to test this, that, and everything else. Just to find any performance advantage or reliability or method of driving, anything they can find to improve their performance on the track. Lewis hates doing that. He'd rather leave that to the development drivers. Only until now, he obviously wants to get involved. And I feel like, that's so he can understand the car better. He can find newer ways to improve his performance behind the wheel. And I tell you what, not that there's a you know that that there's a ceiling to Hamilton's abilities because it almost seems limitless at times. But anything that he can find to help will surely help this fight. He's certainly up for it. So if Mercedes have given up, Lewis certainly hasn't, and that's the best part of this because Lewis could still prove to be the pivotal factor in all of this, as he has done so many times in the past. Yeah, it's a bit ironic how sort of the, the very person that a lot of F1 fans have found boring over the last few years could well be the guy to save the season in terms of it being entertaining. Mm. What a turn of events, eh? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, look, you know, as great as Lewis Hamilton has been, I think we can all agree that a lot of what has happened in the last six or seven years, whilst the car has been amazing, he has been a huge factor in that. And... He's always been a driving force that people often don't speak um, so positively about because mm -hmm. he's always been the nemesis of the championship being exciting because of how brilliant he has been on top of the car being equally as brilliant at times. So it's totally understandable that this doesn't surprise me. And I, I love this about Lewis because whilst he's not enjoying himself, because obviously he'd rather be leading a championship when he's having a fight with a step in the way he is, he's certainly not thrown in the towel. And, you know, still I rise, the, the, his mantra, if you like, that he lives by, he's certainly go, living by that and he's certainly not giving up. So I really hope that he can find a way, as he's so often done in the past, to really, if he can, 
make this as hard as possible for Red Bull at the very least and Verstappen because this is certainly not over yet. And if anybody can overturn this, it's definitely Lewis Hamilton. But um, look, we'll end up going on about this for ages, Courtney. Let's talk about Perez and Bottas briefly. Um, they obviously had a nice little battle between them two. A lot of people felt Perez probably should have finished third if it wasn't for Red Bull's mistake in the pits. But then Bottas drove a good race to keep him behind towards the end. Um, how do you see them two getting on this weekend? Do you feel that they're going to be more of a factor this weekend for their teammates or do you feel they're going to have their own little battle once again for that final spot on the podium? And if so, who do you think is going to come out on top? I think Perez is going to be have a, is going to have a stronger weekend. I think, you know, he'll have a better grasp of the setup of the car. It's obvious Red Bull have the faster car. So I expect Perez to be closer to Lewis. Um, yeah, I, I think Perez could play a part in keeping Lewis behind Max. Um but yeah, I think it's either going to be a Red Bull 1-2 or Perez is going to get that final podium spot. I think Bottas could struggle to keep Perez behind this uh, this weekend. Hmm. I mean, if this weekend goes anything like the last one did, I think Perez is going to have to find something similar to what he did in Baku and possibly France as well to a degree to perhaps beat Lewis. But I definitely think Bottas is definitely there for the taking as far as hmm. Perez is concerned. Because as I said, I, I think Perez should have finished on the podium. I don't think it was his best drive. It was okay. Um, but I feel that like that was kind of amplified by the, fact that, by the fact that Verstappen won by quite a convincing margin. You know, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, Bottas has always been good around Austria. He's won twice here. Uh, only Alain Prost has won more races around this track, around this track than uh, Bottas. There's a lot of drivers. A lot of drivers have um, won here twice. Um, Bottas, Verstappen, Michael Schumacher, Mika Hakkinen, uh, Nicky Lauda, of course. But Alan has only won it three times, which is a surprising stat. I'd have thought someone would have won here more than three times, but apparently no. So that's something for Bottas to be motivated for, if anything else, to make history more than anything else. He's won here more than Lewis has, amazingly. But uh, we'll have to see how that goes this weekend. Okay. Let's move on to McLaren and Ferrari, the next battle, if you like. And what we saw last weekend, I think, was basically the story of the season, as Lando Norris had described, whereas Ferrari have an impressive package when they get it all right. They're almost untouchable outside the top two teams. But once again, mistakes on their part, or by Leclerc's part, at least, um, cost them from perhaps potentially trying to battle with Lando Norris in the race. And this weekend, Lando's always been good. Last season, we saw in the two races, he got a podium at the Austrian Grand Prix and he did a brilliant job to get into, I think it was P5, um, ahead of the racing points in the uh, Styrian Grand Prix, of course. So coming back here once again after a solid drive from Lando, will his tactics change? Perhaps trying to, if he can get into the top three in qualifying, he'll try to fight more. Or do you feel that the margin is way too great to the teams ahead as we saw in the race that perhaps he's just more interested in doing what he did last weekend and try and beat the Ferraris? I think Lando's mindset seems to be perfect for not only him, but the team right now. Um, he seems to be able to get the best results he possibly can, given the package that he has. So I think that'll be more of the same this weekend. I think he's going to be in for a lot more of a stiff challenge, given that Ferrari were probably surprised by how strong their race pace was. And apart from the scruffy start, particularly from Leclerc, they could have been much more of a challenge to Lando. And I'm also expecting more of a challenge from Danny Ricciardo. I yeah, mean, it was very yeah. disappointing. It was very disappointing that it was partly down to reliability. But I'm expecting a fight back, and I'm also expecting Pierre Gasly. We always forget about Alpha Tauri. Alpha Tauri are in and around the same area right now as these two teams. So 
I think Pierre Gasly is going to have a part to play in this uh, Mercedes, uh, not Mercedes, McLaren Ferrari battle this weekend. Well, I certainly hope so because Pierre Gasly has shown a lot of performance this season. He's been so good, Pierre Gasly, and it's a crying shame that every single week we're talking about whether or not whether or not he'll still be on the grid next season, which is mad when you think about it. But um. You know, back to Ferrari McLaren. Yes, you're right, Ricardo. Hopefully he has a good weekend. Of course, at this time of the recording, it's his birthday today. So happy birthday, Daniel. Hopefully you're having a, a good day. I doubt he's probably going to be able to enjoy much beer, pizza and cake, as I imagine he would probably prefer to do on his birthday. But um, I'm sure hopefully this weekend will bring good fortunes to him. And um, yeah, let's hope there's no reliability issues or engine issues for him. He can just have a clean race and perhaps we'll get to see Daniel tussling it out with his teammate in the two Ferraris, where we feel he belongs. And I'm sure McLaren will very much hope he will be a part of. Um, I mean, between these two teams, Courtney, who do you think is going to come out on top? Do you think Ferrari will learn the lessons that they learned from this track, which they did pretty well, if you think about it, last weekend compared to where we thought they might be after France? Or do you feel that McLaren were perhaps a little bit conservative with Lando? because he was in such a comfortable position and might decide to say, hey, we can throw a bit more caution to the wind and we might be able to stay ahead of the Ferraris. Because I think McLaren might feel they were going to have to, given that Ferrari was so good and they just didn't maximise the performance that they had until it was too late. I think Lando could still be quite a stiff challenge for the Ferraris to uh, to face. Um they, have, they do have a good driver pairing, though. And I'll say this a lot. They do have the drivers capable of challenging McLaren. But I still, I just I just think Lando's in such a good place right now. I think he's going to be difficult to overthrow. Um, I I think Ferrari could well, have, could well be happy if they were sort of 6th, 7th. I think they'd take that result. You know, given that they weren't expected, they didn't really expect to be stronger in, in race pace in this circuit. But I, I, I just think this race needs... A wet weekend hmm. to really spice things up. I don't like when you have a double header. You don't really want to be having deja vu, do you? So I don't know if they're changing the tire compounds at all because I know they did that last season. They changed the tire compounds when they were um, doing double headers. Hopefully that is in the mix. I don't know, but if not, let's hope that we have some rain to spice up this grid. I mean, I can't remember if they are or not. And given that they've had to introduce this double header quite late they may not be doing so because mm. I think they did this um, They did this last year. and Tyre Silverstone was, they did. Yeah, Silverstone they did as well. But obviously they, they were criticised for, you know, the first race that they had mm. because of, um, you know, obviously how fragile the tyres were. So it was kind of fortunate that they did incorporate harder compound tyres for this race. Um, you know, there was a lot of criticism in Baku because they did this as well. They ran softer compounds despite the fact that the new regulations were designed so that the tyres could be more tolerable and they didn't have to worry about, you know, what happening happened. And then of course they ran softer compounds, which are like, you're kind of defeating the objective here. So as I said, I don't know if anyone does know, do let us know. I'd, I hope they don't. I know you want to create up a different kind of race, but we saw a mixture of one and two stop strategies, which I think is the sweet spot in terms of strategy when there's such a small Delta between either one. Whereas if you make the, the call at the right moment, it can pay off for you. I think it would have paid off for Perez if he, if his pit stop didn't go the way it did and he almost made the two stopper work against Bottas so you know that that element does keep it exciting and you know Charles Leclerc did the same thing went for that two stopper of course he was forced because of his mistake and he ended up climbing the field really well so 
there's a lot of variables there and I hope they don't change that just for the sake of trying to create different results because they might find that they end up getting a boring race if they try to be too conservative or aggressive one way or the other we'll just have to wait and see um, on that one but it's certainly going to be exciting between those two teams there's not much to separate them and um, hopefully Daniel joins that battle as well because I think McLaren probably realized at this point that Lando's done a great job spearheading their attack for them and he's proven to be the best driver outside the front guys if anything probably only Verstappen has done a more impressive job this season at a push if that mm-hmm. um and, and Ferrari have such a great lineup this season you pointed out Carlos Sainz has been a real revelation this season he's impressed me probably as much as anybody um how well he's adapted to this Ferrari which is not the easiest car to learn and Charles Leclerc again with him he either puts in a fantastic performance or a so-so one because of his own doing. And I said last week, people giving him driver day. I certainly wouldn't have given it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there you go. There's a lot There's a lot that could happen here. So hopefully we will see more fireworks between those two teams. I love to see a battle, by the way, between Lando and Sainz and Carlos. Yeah, we That's haven't seen that yet. We haven't, no. And we very nearly got it if it wasn't for Lewis lapping Carlos Sainz. So, um, but of course, you know, Carlos has got to get up there. So hopefully he can. We'll see them two duking it out. See how feisty they will get now that they're not driving the same car anymore let's um move on to the next battle of course we can get distracted by these we're not distracted obviously that's not the right word but we could get lost in talking about particularly those two um abromance incidentally actually no sorry before i do i did want to ask you something courtney um so obviously have you been paying attention much to some of what the drivers say in the drivers press conferences not as much this season the must but Please enlighten me. What's so some of said? some of them have been quite good, and I've got I've got to mention this one. They obviously interviewed um, Carlos Sainz this week, and in the Thursday press conference, Carlos Sainz was talking about you know obviously what he's been doing this week because obviously they've not been travelling, and he said, "Oh, um, I sort of haven't really had a day off like the others did on Monday. Like Monday, I was went to watch a football game. Uh, Tuesday, I was playing golf with Lando and Charles." Uh, and Wednesday was like my only day off. And I'm like, okay, I'm jealous of the fact that you are performing one driver, Carlos, and I love you for it at the same time. But clearly you don't know what the definition of a day off is. Cause that sounds to me like he's had three <laughs> days off Monday, Tuesday oh, and crazy. Wednesday. Cause to me playing golf with friends or watching a football mm-hmm. game when you're not working is the definition of a day off. Um, oh, it's, 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 it's... I, I don't know how to describe it. I, to say that, like, we're envious it's of a the hard lives life, of, these guys, it? of these guys live, mm. it's it's insane. It's, it's, oh, I'm not. It's, 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 I've, just, I've just come back from, like, a hard day at work, and to hear that, it's almost insulting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose the answer is for us to get good at driving Formula One cars, and then we can have that yeah, we've got soon. time. Yeah, plenty of time. Um, <laughs> but OK, th- let's move on to the next battle, if we like. So we've got Alpha Tauri, Aston Martin, Alpine. Judging by what we were already talking about with Ferrari, McLaren, and obviously the, not necessarily the outsider, but the, um, if you like, the uh, oh the wild card, if you like, in this argument. Pierre Gasly and Alpha mm-hmm. Tauri, probably, probably the heavy favourites out of those three teams, I think, to get the best result this weekend, wouldn't you say? Especially as well after Yuki Tsunoda, of course, getting a good result this weekend too. Yeah, I think Pierre Gasly is going to be right up there again. And I'm not going to sort of jump, jump the boat too much, but given the three teams you mentioned and the, the order you expect them to be in, let's not let's not forget George Russell. 
George Russell was running in eighth at one point, eighth or ninth before yeah. he before he broke down. Mm. And, you know, I've been complaining about. Um, I hope the race isn't the same. If it is the same, George Russell has a great chance. I'm not going to say. I'm not. I'm not going to jinx it because we say it every week. He has a chance of doing the thing. He has a chance because he was up there on merit on raw pace. And let's hope. Let's hope that he's up there running with those teams because, for whatever reason, Williams were. On a similar pace to Sonoda, the Alpine in um, Fernando Alonso, and he's running ahead of Vettel as well. So George mm. Russell will be in the mix when it comes to the battle between those three teams. Yeah, no, absolutely right, and I'm glad you pointed that out because, of course, we naturally will get to Williams towards the end of this episode. But for the mm. sake of what we saw last weekend, yes, let's add George to the mix as well because he drove a fantastic drive. Perhaps, if you like, let's put Gasly up there with the Ferraris and McLarens. I think he's going to yeah. be there again. Um, and obviously in his place, we've got George Russell battling it out with the likes of Sonoda, the two Aston Martins, and Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon. So very much embedded in that battle, George Russell. And we hope that his fortunes are significantly better than they were at the race last weekend. Very much deserved to be in the points. And he was there on merit as well. So if George can do it again, a similar performance in qualifying. And again, he narrowly missed out on Q3. I think he was like thousands of a second mm-hmm. off of Q3. So, I mean, what a story that would be if George Russell was able to get into Q3. And ironically, if he'd qualified in Q3 with his Q2 time, he'd have been ninth on the grid um, on merit, and which would have been promoted up into eighth because of Sonoda's penalty for holding up Bottas. So, you know, there's so much there for George. So, you know, I hope he's in there again. And I really hope this time it works out better for him. But that will probably be one of the huge focal points of this race maybe more exciting than what's happening at the front in the midfield it certainly was pretty much last weekend yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping they get more tv time this weekend as, as tempting as it is to watch Verstappen dominate a race I'm sure that fans if it happens again I think fans would rather just keep an eye on his progress but we're more interested in what's going on in the middle speaking of which how do we see this going Courtney do we think it's going to be Sonoda in the play obviously that Gasly seems to have further ahead or do we expect the Aston Martins to be uh, protagonists in this argument once again? And Alpine as well. Where do they stand in all this? Alonso, probably expect them to do the same. But what about Ocon? How is this all going to go oh, down? Oh, well, I think, I think the problem for Ocon is Alonso has improved. Alonso's come, you know, obviously returned to Formula One, got up to, uh, got up to the pace that we expected him to be at. And I think both the Aston Martin drivers have improved as well. Not only Sebastian Vettel, but Lance Stroll is a bit of a, a forgotten entity in Formula One. He had another solid drive for Aston Martin. So I think it's I think it's going to be tough for Sonoda. You know, he 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 had he, he needs a couple of quiet races. But in, in terms of in terms of raw pace, I, I think the um the Aston Martin guys and Fernando Alonso have have the advantage over him at the moment. I mean, that is, I suppose, on ability behind the wheel and the comfort at the moment, that's probably true. I mean, mm. Yuki Tsunoda has put in a few really good performances this season, but I suppose it's been overshadowed a lot by some of the mistakes that he's made and perhaps some of this um, enigmatic energy that he's shown, particularly on the team radio, that I think has kind of given people this impression of him that he's a bit more, um, more of a maverick, I suppose, than a calm-headed driver. And that's not necessarily the case because mm. Yuki's been able to balance those two rather well. It's just... Obviously, this is a learning experience in Formula One. It's never going to be easy for anybody. But um, I think there's more to it with him. And I'm expecting him to put in another good performance this weekend. He's certainly got the right car to do that in terms of getting some good points. The engine is obviously working wonders now that it's being upgraded. Hopefully, if Alvatari are running 
upgrades on their engine like Red Bull were this weekend uh, in terms of reliability, that should help them a long way and maybe move them ahead. Mm. Not just Gasly, but Sonoda ahead of the chasing pack in the midfield like the Astons and the Alpines. I'm expecting AlphaTauri to be strong this weekend. I think they're going to be stronger than the Aston Martins and the Alpines. I'm expecting Alonso to be strong again. Maybe Aston Martin, learning the lessons from last weekend, could find some extra performance, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were on the fringes of the points again. Maybe Vettel can be more involved and get a better qualifying performance. As I said, it's so tight in qualifying that really, if you nail your qualifying time and get a really good grip position, that's half the job done in terms of getting some good points around here. It really, really is. And it's so easy to lose time around here, such a short track, but it's so hard to win it back. Um, So that's probably where the most exciting battle is going to be this weekend between those six drivers, if you include George Russell to that as well. Um, Speaking of which, let's move on to the tail end of the field. Alfa Romeo, the proverbial will they, won't they team this season in terms of scoring a championship point. Kimi Raikkonen finished P11 from P18 on the grid. Very much a team that tends to do a lot better in the race than they do in qualifying, almost under the radar. Once again, Courtney, do you feel that they can get a point this weekend or do you feel that perhaps the competition is just a little bit too great for them? I think they might struggle a bit more this weekend. Now, you think about the teams we expect to learn from, not mistakes as such, but sort of learn ways to perfect their packages. I think that could be a detriment to the likes of Alfa Romeo for sure. So, yeah, I'll probably expect them to be towards the tail end. They might they might even find themselves in a battle with uh, with even the Latifi. I think I just expect a lot of these teams to improve. So I think they might have a tough weekend. That is a bit of a surprise to hear you say that. I mean, no disrespect to Nicholas Latifi, um, but I just feel that Alfa Romeo, once again, are going to be in their own little class. I think that they've obviously got a power deficit to the other three uh, manufacturers, if you like, with the Ferrari engines. Incidentally, it was their 111th anniversary as a car manufacturer, Alfa Romeo. So, you know, happy anniversary to them. Ironically, finishing in 11th place, once again, seems to be their favourite position this season. Um, they seem to be finishing there a lot. I, I said, I've got to have a look if they finish there more than anyone else has this season. I'm pretty sure they have. So I'm going to go on a limb and say one of them is going to finish in P11 once again. I'm just not quite sure which one it's going to be. Um, so Latifi in Williams. Once again, he seemed to be more akin to battling Mick Schumacher in the Haas than fighting up in the midfield with his teammate, of course, I think it was his birthday as well this week as well on Wednesday. So if it was, happy everybody's birthday. birthday. It's everybody's birthday at this <laughs> time. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's a good month for it. June, July. It's a good month for birthdays. And uh, yeah, so if it, I think it was, I saw a lot of Nutella cake on his Instagram. So, uh, so I'm assuming it was his birthday. It seemed like it. Um, so if it was, happy birthday, Nicholas. Or a belated birthday, I should say. Uh, don't want anyone to feel left out, of course. Um, obviously, you need to put in a strong performance, Nicholas Latifi. I know that it's a hard season for Williams to look good the way that they are at the moment. But given how well George is doing, there is some level of expectation. I feel that Nicholas needs to try and find a way, not necessarily to be racing with George when he's hitting those heights that he is, but at least to find a way to be a little bit more involved, perhaps fighting the Alfa Romeos, if you like, a bit more than he is, rather than trying to fight Mick Schumacher, who's driving a car that hasn't had any development at all, other than just to make it legal for 2021 so how do you see his weekend going he seems to be having a race on his own he just sort of just plods along does his own thing i, I feel like if, if i was a canadian fan of formula one i 
I don't know. You, you just have no idea you even had the two Canadians on track. It just, it just seemed to get so little coverage. So, yeah, I don't think I'd be happy if I was Canadian watching Formula One because they they, they don't get noticed in the slightest. I know that's, that's partly to do with where they are on track. But, yeah, you barely notice that either Lance Stroll or Nicholas Tiffy are even there most of the time. Hmm. Yeah, I think the broadcasters this season, I've noticed, maybe it's just me, but I just feel like they haven't really provided as much coverage to the tail end of the field as they have mm. near the front. I know there's a lot going on, but even before, obviously, of course, the lion's share of the broadcasting is going to go to where the battles are at the front and obviously the midfield. But it just seems that there are certain teams that are being forgotten or certain drivers. Alfa Romeo certainly being one of those teams and they turn up at the end and finish near the points. And everyone's like, how the hell did they get there? Um, you just don't know. Uh, Latifi, another driver, just said, Courtney, the only time I tend to see Latifi is in practice and, you know, pardon the jokes at his expense, but usually when he has a bit of a spin early in practice before he gets it all together and he puts in a good performance at the weekend. So hopefully that changes and hopefully better fortunes will come his way for this race. Williams certainly could do with him not necessarily emulating what George is doing, but at least trying to find a bit more performance so that he's at least trying or at least looking like he might get something if uh, results go his way or picks up pieces if there's retirements. Of course, we didn't have many. at the We had a few at the last race, but that was more down to um, reliabilities and, and Gasly's accident, of course. Let's not forget that. Um, Haas. I can't say we're expecting much from them. Um, we joked about Gunther Steiner giving Mazepin a spinning top to practice with rather than spinning the car. This, The joke this week is that probably at the expense of Mick Schumacher, who very generously, out of the goodness of his heart, organised a barbecue for his Haas colleagues and Haas mechanics because England were playing Germany this week at the Euros. Unfortunately for Mick, it didn't go to plan as England beat Germany 2-0 of course we're delighted about that being English um there was a photo of him doing the rounds where he was sitting there with the rest of them all in good spirits all celebrating having a beer and having a good time and obviously Mick being German not enjoying himself so much so uh, I certainly feel for Mick but I can't say I was too disappointed <laughs> yeah you know what the, the, the Germans have had it all too good the past 50 years so it's about time we had our, our, our own time to celebrate there. but yeah it's long overdue mm. um I'm 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 pleased. I'm, I'm pleased it's happened because we've had plenty of pain through the years. So that's our time to shine, Adam. It's our time. Yeah, but hopefully, of course, <laughs> Mick has a good race weekend as he did last weekend to make up for it. Although Seb Vettel obviously got the worst of it because um, obviously I've seen photos from Aston Martin that uh, at his locker in the garage, they obviously had his helmet and had it draped in England flags and a big sign saying 2-0. And obviously Sebastian must have been a forfeit having to wave an England fan, but he's a good sport, Sebastian. And uh, obviously he'll see the funny side of it. He kind of expected um, before the game, he actually said he was expecting England to do well. So perhaps it's not such a shock for the German fans, obviously watching their team that England won. But to us, obviously, it's a huge achievement. Hopefully something that we won't remember this summer just for that. Hopefully we go on to... A few more moments to celebrate in the Euros, but uh, well, fingers crossed, eh? maybe it's coming home. Who knows? Um, I certainly hope it does. Anyway, of course, Haas, I think, probably going to be pick up the pieces this weekend and try and hope for the best. I think that's all we can ask of them. Pretty much, mate. <laughs> I have so little to say about Haas this season. This is actually unreal. I think they're doing better then I think we all expected it. I mean, I know it's hard to set standards for them because we expect them to be last and by some country mile, but in some races, they've been competitive to a degree. So I think we should heap praise on them for that. And 
you know, there's a lot of great men and women that do such great work at that team. Obviously, we always revere Gunther Steiner for being the legend that he is, the guy that's always the most exciting part of the team because he's a joker, but he's a great team boss with what he has to deal with. So I'm hoping for better times for the Huss team in the years ahead. But of course, there's always the pros and cons in every organization. We're not going to get into the latter, but as I said, hopefully better days for the people involved there because they do work really hard. And of course, they want to be competing with everyone else. They don't course, just want to yeah. make up the numbers. Nobody does. Um, but hey, let's get into our predictions now as we round this preview off, if you like. Courtney, very probably tempted to go the same way as we saw at the Austrian Grand Prix, but what is your top three? Is there anybody that can stop Max Verstappen this weekend? Uh, uh, no. Um, <laughs> it's going to be Max, Max first, Lewis second, and Sergio Perez in third. Fair enough. I'm probably going to repeat that. And I think Lewis Hamilton fans will be happy knowing my track record. I, I think I've predicted one race winner right this season out of the eight races we've had. So I'm going to stick to that. I'm going to go with what you've just said and go with Verstappen first, Hamilton second, and Sergio Perez in third place. Incidentally, Courtney, Lewis Hamilton, if he does come second at this Grand Prix, he will achieve another record that was once held by Michael Schumacher. And that is the all-time record for second-place finishes. Lewis Hamilton has finished second 43 times, and he equaled Michael Schumacher's record at the Styrian Grand Prix. So, of course, whilst there probably aren't many records left that Lewis hasn't taken from Michael... <laughs> That's probably... why he's doing it. That's there why he's, he's choosing. He's choosing to finish behind Max, and so then he can break another record. That's exactly. all. Well done, Lewis. Nicely and executed. And from the British Grand Prix onwards, he's going to go on a turn, win the rest of the races this season, and everyone who doubted him, including us, are just going to have to get down on their knees, just bow <laughs> down to the king, because clearly we're not worthy. And what do we know? Um, final predictions, Courtney. Uh, I, I'm not going to accept the George Russell scores a point. I can't. A bold can't. One because... I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say it either. I don't think I don't think it's as bold. I think it might happen. I certainly hope it does. I really, really do. Any sort of cosmic powers out there, just please let George have his day just once. He's like the unluckiest guy in the paddock since he's been in Formula One. He really is. So he deserves a great day. But cast that aside for a second, Courtney. Give me another bold prediction. All right. What you for you. Go on then. So if if there's a tangle at the front, I'm gonna put Charles Leclerc on the podium. Oh, there you go. Fair enough. How about that? I'm not going to say George Russell scores a point because I've already denounced that. We can't do that. But I am going to say, I reckon George Russell gets into Q3 on Saturday. Decent shout. Decent shout. Yeah. I think he can certainly find the time to do it. I mean, if he missed out by a few thousands of a second, as everybody says, there's always more time to be found. How much of that, of course, we don't know. But you never know with George. He might be able to find just a little something extra to get him into Q3, and that would be brilliant. I'll tell you what, if we saw that. But that's my bold prediction for this weekend. Of course, guys, let us know what your predictions are for this weekend. Who do you think is going to win the race? Do you think Verstappen can be stopped? Or do you feel he's going to go and dominate the race once again? Let us know. And of course, give us some of your bold predictions as well. Also on top of that, guys, thank you so much for those of you that have subscribed to this channel very, very recently. We not long passed 400 subscribers. Our next target is 500 Help us get there as soon as you can. If you haven't already, subscribe to the DNF1 channel for loads of more great content on podcasts and some more great content coming your way in the very near future. I can guarantee that. All that's left to say, guys, is thank you so much for tuning in. Please, please stay safe. And we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Take care.
See you soon. Podcast Network.